Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Politics by Faith. I'm Mike Slater. Thank you for being here. The purpose of this show, the mission statement, is to take a story of the day that is causing anxiety in me, <laughs> and I assume others, and to break it down. Because if you have so much anxiety, you can't think straight. So this is no good. We got to get rid of it. So we break down the story, uh, talk about what's really at the core of it, lament the brokenness. That's very important. Give some historical perspective and then some biblical truth that will help the anxiety go away. And then, of course, we always end with something you can do, something that is in your control and a final thought to leave with. That's the uh, the format of the show. And I'm grateful you're here because without you, there is no show. Thank you for all the nice comments and uh, the reviews and all that. It's greatly appreciated. We'll keep this party going. Story of the day. A 17-year-old girl saw a man in a YMCA woman's locker room. This will happen in your town. This will happen to you or your daughter soon, if it hasn't already. So get prepared for it now. So what's going on here? The social contagion of the day is transgenderism. The technical term is gender dysphoria. Dysphoria means discomfort or distress. So people with gender dysphoria feel their body does not match their true gender, that they believe they are in their head. This is where you get words like, or sentences like, I'm a man trapped in a woman's body. Like, how can that be? Well, there's a disconnect between the body, a woman's body, but I'm really inside in my brain, I'm a man. Now, this is where the divide is. Because everyone, like we all agree that's a thing. People feel they're in the wrong body. There's no doubt. It's horrible. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. The question is, and the division is, how do we fix it? So conservatives generally believe that you should work on the brain, you need to work on the brain to align the brain with the reality of the body. Progressives, and I would argue most people today, think you should mutilate the body to match the brain. You should change what your body it looks like to better match what your brain feels like. So we now cut off genitalia. We remove breasts. We give children puberty-blocking hormones to stop the natural process of puberty, which would make it easier to mutilate the body later to better match the mind. That's the course of treatment that uh, is now, well, prolific. So does that difference make sense? Now, it's worth noting here that you can't transition. You hear that word a lot, oh, he transitioned. No, you can't. You can't turn one body part into another body part. It's impossible. You can't, I don't know how many kids are listening now. Uh, so I'll be, I won't be as explicit. Oh, what the heck? I'll be explicit. Put your, uh, hear my on the kids. You can't turn a penis into a vulva. 
Like it, you can't do that. You can mutilate the penis, but you can't transform it or transition it into something else. You can't transition from one sex to another sex. It can't happen and never will. One more background point. Uh, this story happened at the Young Men's Christian Association in Santee, California, just outside San Diego where I live. YMCA stands for the Young Men's Christian Association. The original statement was, original mission statement was improving the spiritual condition of young men. <laughs> Jeez. But this could happen anywhere. It could happen anywhere and it will happen everywhere. So here's what happened to this girl. 17-year-old girl. Here she is in her own words. She is at the local city council meeting. Again, this is Santee, California, a little town outside San Diego. Population 60,000. She spoke to the YMCA first. They didn't do anything. So she's like, well, I guess I'll go to the city council and talk to them. I don't know. Someone can, I got to talk to someone about this. So here she is. And she did not know she was being recorded. Just two weeks ago, after finishing my shift at my job, I went to the gym to swim laps. As I was showering after my workout, I saw a naked male in the women's locker room. I immediately went back into the shower, terrified, and hid behind their flimsy excuse for a curtain until he was gone. I ran into a bathroom stall to change as quickly as I could, organizing my thoughts to share with the people at the front desk. As I did so, I could only think of my five-year-old sister, who I bring to this gym during the summer to, sorry, to enjoy their water slides. This is the YMCA, where hundreds of children spend their summer afternoons in childcare camps. This is the YMCA where my little sister took gymnastics lessons. The locker room was supposed to be her safe haven to gossip with her friends and shower and change. When I asked the YMCA management what their policy was regarding transgenders, they confirmed that the man that I saw was indeed allowed to shower wherever he pleased. As long as you are not a red flag on Megan's Law, the California Sex Offender Registry, a grown male can shower alongside a teenage girl at your YMCA location here in Santee. I was made to feel as though I had done something wrong when I talked to people at the YMCA. Somehow, the indecent exposure of a male to a female minor was an inconvenience to them. When my dad spoke to the sheriff's office, they told him that he should never allow me to shower there ever again. The YMCA wouldn't let my father speak to the manager of the Santee branch. After waiting several days, he finally received a call from Terry Moss, who is the director of membership for San Diego County. She informed my dad that I was not in any danger at the time of the incident, that I was safe. But I ask you this, I'm assuming all of you either have a wife, a sister, daughters or granddaughters or are a woman yourself. Could you knowingly send an underage girl into a room where there was a naked male and say that she was not in danger, that she was safe, or more importantly, that this was right. The fact that we are now tailoring our privacy policies and bathroom laws around transgenders, ignoring the blatant threat to safety that this poses is obscene. The safety of children, girls, is on the chopping block. My favorite part of that is the YMCA said, you were in no harm. Don't worry, you were in no harm. Well, Define harm. What kind of harm? Sure, maybe this man wasn't going to attack her physically. But is that the only kind of harm? Why is videotaping a woman in the locker room not allowed? 
It's not physically harmful, is it? Remember Aaron Andrews? She's the NFL sideline reporter who was filmed in her hotel room through peepholes by some disgusting guy. He was sentenced to two and a half years in prison, and Marriott paid out $55 million. So what's the difference? I mean this genuinely. What's the difference between videotaping someone and then that person finds out, and you're like, oh, you were in no harm. No harm. <laughs> no harm. No physical harm. It's not like I t- punched you. What's the difference between that and a guy going into a women's locker room and getting a live show? In terms of physical harm, there's no difference. But there's other types of harm, of course. The Young Men's Christian Association doubled down their support of the man in the locker room, said that this controversy is fueled by right-wing fringe groups and misinformation. So I'm curious. I'm like, okay, what's what's the misinformation? What do we get wrong about the story? What did she get wrong about the story? Nothing. She didn't get anything wrong about the story. You want to know what the misinformation is? The misinformation, according to the why, is that this is a woman. The girl said a man was in the woman's locker room. And the YMCA says, no, 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 that's not true. It's a woman. So this is a really difficult conversation to have if we can't agree on if this person is a man or a woman. Because if it's a woman, then there's no story. A woman was in the woman's locker room. But if it's a man, because it is, then we have a man in the women's locker room. Now we have a problem. Here is the man in question. There was a rally a couple days later uh, against the YMCA, and then there was a support rally for the YMCA right across the street. Here is the, uh, the man. He's an older man. Uh, and his point is, I didn't expose myself. I didn't even know the girl was there when she saw me. And she says that too. She says she saw him and then went back into the shower and hid. She thought she was under attack or could be under attack. So the, the, but the guy didn't even know. Didn't even know the, the girl was in there. So here's the, the, the man in question at the rally. I'm the scary transgender woman that that child misidentified as a man. I'm the scary transgender woman that that child misidentified as a man. He uh, said to the news, he said, truly, if I just walked past you, would you know I was trans? Yeah, man, there's no way I could tell. Like, what are you talking? Of of course you Anyone could tell. But the, the, I wanted to play that because the YMCA and, and many people, once he came out, are saying, look, look, it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful woman. It's a nice woman. It's an older woman. She didn't mean any harm. It's okay. You were never in harm's way, 17-year-old girl. To which I respond, sure, but it's not necessarily this person in the women's locker room or the next man or the next man or the next man to go into the women's locker room. It's once the true perverts know that they have complete cover and it's safe for them to go into the women's locker room. That is the concern. Because you could say, oh, well, this is, uh, this is a woman. So what's the big deal? You're not in harm. But what's to say, like, the true, purposeful person who goes, the man who goes in there to look at women is going to get the same amount of protection that this man got. That's the problem. This is the 17-year-old girl on Tucker Carlson's show. So we've been hearing yeah. that the transgender activism is empowering did you feel empowered as a teenage girl when a naked man walked into your, your shower room? No, not at all. Um, I, my safety, my privacy was threatened. 
Um, I mean, I had just been in the shower. So I'm in one of the most vulnerable positions that a girl can be in. I'm getting yes. out and, and I see this man's, this man's backside. So not only do I not want to see him, but I was terrified that he was going to see me. So I went right back into the shower and no, this is absolutely not empowering whatsoever. Um, in, in our efforts to cater to the rights of transgenders to express themselves, it's threatening my safety, my privacy, and also the safety and privacy of all the other women and children who are frequenting that YMCA. Bless you for saying that out loud. It's shocking that it requires bravery to say it, but we both know that it does. So thank you. So does this story make sense? There's, there's, this will be countless. I mean, this will be normal <laughs> very soon. This will happen to you. So that's what's going on in this story, but what's really going on? I love this framework, and I'm going to use this a lot more in the future. It just makes things so much more clear in my brain. You have the flesh, the world, and the devil. The flesh, the world, and the devil. Thomas Aquinas called them the implacable enemies of the soul. So they're, rel they're relentless, relentless enemies of the soul. So let's go uh, Ephesians 2, 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you once walked. And here's what you were doing. You were following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So there you have all three right there. First, the course of this world. That's the world, our culture. Teaching kids about transgenderism in schools, how you can switch gender. There's no such thing as gender. You can choose your gender, all that. That's our culture. It's called queer theory. This is Oxford English Dictionary. Queer theory, it's like critical race theory, but this is queer theory, is an approach to social and cultural study which seeks to challenge or deconstruct traditional ideas of sexuality and gender, especially the acceptance of heterosexuality as normative, so it's normal to be heterosexual, and the perception of a rigid dichotomy of male and female traits. So we're going to deconstruct traditional ideas of sexuality and gender. That is the world. <laughs> that is the course of the world. So uh, here, is, here is what God made. Here is how society has always been designed. We're going to deconstruct that. And the way to do that is to celebrate perversion. Uh, Webster's original dictionary, 1828, the uh, perversion is the act of turning from the truth. We're going to celebrate perversion. Proverbs 14:12. there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. The world uh, can appear to be right. Be careful. Second force we're up against that's relentless. The prince of the powers of the air. That's the devil. Satan whispers to you all the time, you are ugly. You are stupid. You are poor. You're a failure. You're not good enough. No one likes you. And to some people, he whispers, you're really a boy. Or you're really a girl. And people believe the lies all the time. We all do. He tells us all different lies. Scripture calls him the tempter the wicked one, the accuser. John calls him the father of lies. And I think the most important thing to know about Satan is that he, in 2 Corinthians, says he masquerades as an angel of light. So he seems good, just like the philosophies of the world. They seem good. 
So does the devil. He seems good. He seems pure. He seems right. He seems like light. He doesn't walk around with red horns. What he spews seems like the truth. That's why it's so effective. So you got the world, the devil, and then you got the flesh. And that's what uh, Ephesians said, the passions of our flesh, the desires of the body. Just because you desire something doesn't make it good. You hear this all the time in our modern world today. Like I had an urge to do this. So I felt like it. So that's all that matters is, oh, well, you felt like it. Well, then, okay. Whatever you feel isn't always true. In fact, it's almost never true. That's why Romans 12 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Renew your mind with the truth. So people are under attack from the flesh, the world, and the devil. My view is that uh, transgenderism is a mental illness. No different. And people are like, oh, what? It's like, yeah, there are mental illnesses. It's okay. It's no different than body dysmorphia from uh, someone who's anorexic, someone who thinks they're fat. They look in the mirror and they, they think they're 300 pounds and they're actually 100 pounds. We don't say, uh, you know, you're, you are, you're pretty fat, actually. You, you think you're fat? Okay, you are. I mean, you could stand to lose a few. Couldn't we all, though? <laughs> you know? No, we tell them the truth in love. We say you're wrong about this. Your feelings, your perceptions are wrong. What the culture is telling you is, is beautiful is wrong. What the devil is telling you you are is wrong. How you feel, how you perceive yourself is wrong. You're not fat. You're dangerously skinny, in fact. We tell them the truth. And I'll throw one more thing into the mix here. One more ingredient. There is no God anymore in our culture. We all used to turn to God as the higher authority, the highest authority. He's gone. So there is no high authority anymore. Therefore, there are no objective truths. We used to in our culture say, well, God says, or the Bible says, you can't do that anymore. So what do we replace objective truth with? We used to have objective truth, not there anymore. So how do we figure anything out? Well, we've replaced objective truth with feelings. How do you feel? How do you feel? What are your feelings about this? Okay, but everyone's got feelings. So how do we determine whose feelings are most legitimate or whose feelings are most valid or whose feelings are right? Well, then you bring in victimhood. Whoever is the greatest victim in our society, their feelings matter more than anyone else's. So what we have here is a white, middle-class, able-bodied, cisgender, English-speaking, 17-year-old woman. Well, she only gets one victim point because she's a woman. Everything else, she is in the privileged class. The man is black, but also transgender. And that means more than anything. It's like a thousand points on the victim scale. So his feelings are more authentic. His lived experience is more marginalized. So therefore, his feelings matter more than anyone else's, even uh, 17-year-old girls. Make sense? All right, let's uh, let's lament some stuff here. We got a we got a lot to lament. We have five things to lament. First, let's lament the pain of gender dysphoria. Oh, awful! I feel terrible for people who suffer with this and are spinning in their heads trying to make sense of it all. It's just awful. I, I just feel terrible for anyone who is, is living through this. Lament them. Second, I lament the the women who will be bearing the brunt of this little girls and women and women will grow to resent men 
for not protecting them from this. Every woman and girl, this 17-year-old, has a spidey sense. This is dangerous. This is wrong. That's why she ran back into the shower. And these women have to be re-educated. These girls have to be re-educated. From a very young age, they do it in school to say, no, you're the problem. Right? So they, they, this instinct of like, ooh, this is a dangerous moment. No, no, it's not. It's great to be around men naked in the locker room. And then when young girls are not kept safe by the men around them and are traumatized by men and then double traumatized by people who don't come to their defense, it's going to lead to more women resenting men and resenting the society that refused to stand up for the truth. A society that says you don't have a right to feel violated. You need to grow up. You're the problem. <laughs> That's what we tell little girls. Oh. And it gets, I mean, it's awful, right? Like Loudoun County is the worst. Loudoun County, that story. This is the very short of it. Nice suburb in D.C. Uh, this 15-year-old boy in a skirt sexually assaulted a girl in the girl's bathroom. And they had a school board meeting about critical race theory and some other things. And 250 people spoke up or signed up to speak. And after 50 people, the school board ended the meeting. And anyone who remained, uh, or then they deemed it an uh, unlawful assembly. So anyone who remained was, uh, said, we're, we're going to arrest you. Well, one dad refused to leave, and he was arrested for criminal trespassing. And you've maybe seen the video of him getting dragged off by the, by the police. Why was he so upset? Because the superintendent at the meeting said, to my knowledge, we don't have any records of assaults occurring in our restrooms. That's, that was a lie. And it turns out, that man was the dad of the 16-year-old girl who got assaulted by the boy in the girl's bathroom. And the superintendent said it didn't happen right in front of him, right in front of him and everyone. The dad, of course, got upset. Lament. We're going to go back to that story in a second. But the point is that that girl is going to feel betrayed by a lot of men. I lament also, this is the fourth, I think, that uh, you'll always be the bad guy, just like that dad who was arrested. You'll always be the bad guy. Be prepared for that. Be prepared. You have to be okay with uh, being arrested for no reason. <laughs> you have to be okay with potentially being fired, certainly being vilified. Now, who knows what will happen in the end, but you'll have your integrity, and your daughter will now know you love her and will do anything for her. Stand up for the truth. It's tough because you got to balance that with not letting it completely ruin your life. You got to figure that out now because it's happening. It's the same thing with this girl in Santee in the YMCA. Like her life could be possibly ruined. I, who knows? Like, will colleges accept her now? They're going to Google her. She'll always be known as that girl who's the bigoted anti-trans person. I lament also the growth of this. There was a survey done of students in Davis, California, this is a suburb outside of um, Sacramento, 6% of students identify as neither male nor female. So non-binary, 6%. And uh, that doesn't take into account those who are just straight transgender. So men, who boys who think they're girls, girls who think they're boys. <laughs> so I don't know, 10%? 10% of kids are transgender? What? And uh, no one will say anything. No one will say anything about this. No one will speak up because the highest virtue is to be nice. And it's not nice to say, uh, th this is this, we, we need to stop this. If you do that, you're being judgmental and mean.
So I lament all those things. Can we do that for a second? I lament the, the pain of people going through gender dysphoria. I lament the women who will bear the brunt of this. I lament uh, that you'll always be the bad guy. I lament the growth and how they're continuing to teach kids at a younger and younger age what is not true. I lament the work of the world, the flesh, and the devil. All right, let's get some history here. This is from Colin Stamper at Virginia Tech. Let's go back to the very beginnings of America. He says the idea of a transvestite or dressing like a member of the opposite sex in the colonies was an idea that baffled colonial people where it was widely accepted among Native American tribes. This is interesting. So, and obviously uh, Indian tribes are all very different, right? But in many, there's uh, a third gender, Burdash, B-E-R-D-A-C-H-E, Burdash. Uh, it's not a male dressing as a woman or a woman dressing as a man. It's a third gender. It's a combined gender in their view. This is why sometimes you hear the... Um, LGBT plus, we know that, right? Uh, but you'll see LGBTQIA2S plus. The 2S is two-spirit. That refers to Native Americans and this uh, these Burdash peoples. Because uh, they, uh, they, they viewed, the natives viewed these people as possessing a spiritual gift. One time a missionary came upon a Burdash and a man. And the missionary, Christian missionary colonist said, uh, these are, uh, we hope these accursed persons will decease and such an abominable vice will be eradicated because they saw it as a homosexual relationship. But the other man said, no, 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 this isn't, <laughs> I'm not gay. Uh, we're married, but this isn't homosexual. I'm not homosexual because this is, it's not a man. This is a third type of gender. That's how ingrained this was in their culture. Now let's look at the other side. Thomas Hall. Thomas Hall was a settler in the Virginia colony, 1600s. And he was a man who dressed like a woman and sometimes acted like a woman. And sources from the Times say that they investigated his genitalia and determined it was very small, so it was unclear whether he was male or female. So the town tried to fix his sexual identity. And this is a great dichotomy here. In the words of this historian, again, this is the 1600s. You have two colonies, tribes, groups, right next to each other and two very different views on transgenderism. And it's not too different from the two tribes we have today when it comes to this issue. Again, the conservatives think we should fix the brain to match the body. Progressives think we should change the body to match the brain. And it was pretty similar to the view back then. Here's the historian. The Native Americans, having a significant connection with nature, explain the unknown by glorifying the unexplainable. Thus, the, the Burdash had special attributes and is a proficient worker a spiritual worker. The colonist, on the other hand, having a Christian background, think the unfamiliar is unnatural and troubling. Interesting. So the natives see the unnatural and they, they glorify it. But the Christians saw the unnatural as, as uh, unfamiliar and troubling. The idea and practice of transvestism has the potential to disturb their clearly defined gender roles and boundaries. Interesting. Makes sense, right? Native American uh, religions are pagan. They worship false gods and many gods. We today in America are pagan. We worship many false gods as well. So when you worship many false gods, you will embrace the novel as good. You will embrace the different and what's new, or in our case, the marginalized, 
as better than. You'll lift it up. You'll glorify it, almost in an idolatry sort of way. And this is how you get the irrational protection of transgender, even rapists, like the story in Loudoun County. How could you have a superintendent of a school protect the known rapist? What could cause people to lie about that terrible, horrible thing happening? Well, it's the idea that this transgender person is better than the rest of us. We must lift him up. He can do no wrong. We must protect him from the bigots around us. We treat the trans as a, as a, as a type of God who can do no wrong. This is a clip from The Family Guy. Excuse me, ma'am. No porn at the bar. Oh, it's okay. I'm transgender. Oh, I, I had no idea. Do whatever you want all the time. See how that works? You can do no wrong. <laughs> My point uh, of this historical section is that this debate about transgenderism has been going on in America since the 1600s. Also, uh, transgenderism is, is much more prevalent in other countries, even Thailand, if not more transgender people, has a greater acceptance of it. Thailand, very prominent sex trade. And there's a, a word there, katoi, means transgender woman, so a man dressed as a woman. Why is it so prevalent? 95% uh, of Thailand is Buddhist. And there's a different Buddhist sects, but uh, there's a lot of stories of Buddhist, uh, Buddha's disciples changing form, stories of Buddha's mother even possibly turning into a man while in heaven when he went to go visit her. Uh, there's a Buddhist icon called the Lord of Compassion. Uh, and there's there's temples to this person or icon all over the Buddhist world, sometimes depicted as a man, sometimes as a woman. The Dalai Lama, who's the head of Tibet's version of Buddhism, is a reincarnation of the previous Dalai Lama. And this current Dalai Lama said that the next Dalai Lama could be a woman. So a man from the past can be reincarnated as a woman in the future. There's just a lot of gender bending, shape shifting going on in Buddhism. And Buddhism also acknowledges a third gender. So I bring that up because here in America, we're still pretty conservative about this. Our views on transgenderism in America, which means there's a long way to go. <laughs> there's a long way down still to go. We're nowhere near rock bottom. Speaking of Thailand, this is the new head of the Miss Universe pageant, Miss Teen USA. Donald Trump used to own this organization, and now this man does, who's wearing a full-length dress. Universe organization. From now on, it's going to be ran by women, owned by trans women, for all women. For all women really around the world to celebrate the power of feminism. Men have taken over locker rooms, women's sports, and now beauty pageants. So where other cultures, religions, are not super clear on this issue, the Bible, on the other hand, could not be more clear. Here's what the Bible says about this. Now, I, I should share this, even if you're not a Christian, and I say this all the time on my radio show, even if you're not a Christian, this is all good to know, just from an anthropological perspective, a sociological perspective, just to know what the Christian worldview is and what a biblical worldview used to look like in the United States of America. It's good to know where we used to, because if you've been swimming in the soup for so long, that is our modern culture, you can forget 
what people used to even think, <laughs> how we used to operate. So it's just good to know this stuff. Anyway, so uh, the biblical view, very clear. Uh, first, God created two genders and only two. Genesis 127, male and female, he created them. End of story. Kids today will say um, there's an infinite number of genders. Because they started to say, oh, there's more than two. And then like Facebook said there's 27. But if you're going to have 27, what, like, what, why stop? This is an infinite number where there's a whole spectrum of gender. And every person has their own place on the spectrum. So there's as many genders as there are people. Okay, no, Genesis 127, there's two genders. That's it. Male, female, he created them. Uh, second, Deuteronomy 22.5, a woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. I'll get back to that one in a second. And then 1 Corinthians 6, 9 is a really interesting study that we're going to leave uh, in full for another day. But every, almost every translation of 1 Corinthians 6, 9 leaves out the Greek word, or I should say the English translation of the Greek word, that means effeminate men. And actually lumps that word with another Greek word to mean homosexual. But there's two separate words. There's two distinct separate words here that many translations put into one concept of homosexuality. And I don't think that's the right way to do that. Uh, and this word that they often leave out means effeminate men. So there's a whole longer study there that we will definitely uh, do another day, I promise. But here's the main point of this section. The God of the Bible is a God of distinctions. There is God and man. Now, we try to break down that distinction, and men think they are God, but no. God, man. God and nature. Man and animals. Good and evil. Life and death. Parent and child. Holy and profane. Male and female. These are distinctions that are in the Bible. They're very clear. In Genesis, God spent most of the six days not creating, but making order. The natural order of the world is chaos. The divine state of the world is order. And to make order, you need distinctions. You need day and night, water above, water below, land and seas, male and female. And whenever distinctions are obliterated, chaos ensues. And that chaos is the natural state of things. So when we move further into this uh, culture of no such thing as male or female. There are no differences and you can switch and children can switch. Chaos will ensue. Simple things like who goes into what bathroom. That's like a simple, right? But it's going to get way more chaotic than even this. So what's in my control? Well, I've heard the question, well, what do you suggest the transgender person do? Very simple. The solution is to use the other bathroom. Use the, like the, usually there's a unisex bathroom or uh, a private bathroom, which is usually better. Doesn't everyone want the private bathroom in the corner office? Like, I don't, this is the easiest solution in the world. If you're a transgender person, fine. I'm not saying you shouldn't be a member of the YMCA. In fact, I'm, I'm glad you are and you're getting fit and that's just great. Use the private bathroom. But in our culture, no. It's, it's everyone who has a problem with the man using the women's locker room is told to use the private bathroom. This happens in schools too. A boy wants to use the girl's bathroom. And if you are a girl and you have a problem with that, you're told to use 
the private bathroom instead. <laughs> so that's it's such an easy fix. Use the other bathroom. Use the private bathroom. But here's my suggestion for us. When speaking of this, when speaking out against this, make sure you are in support of women and of underage girls and not a rabid hater of trans people. Do you see the difference? We must always be in support of girls, not seen as haters of trans people. There's a famous book called After the Ball. There's a subtitle here I'm looking at. But, uh, How America Will Conquer Its Fear and Hatred of the Gays of Gays in the 90s. It's written by Marshall Kirk and Hunter Madsen. One's a neuropsychologist. The other is an advertising executive. They're both Harvard guys. They wrote this in 1989. Uh, it was inspired by a magazine article in 1987 called The Overhauling of Straight America. They uh, gave 10 uh, marketing points about how to push homosexuality or normalize homosexuality in American culture throughout the 90s. Uh, they did every single one of them, and they were wildly successful, as you see. And trans people are doing the same thing. They're doing the same playbook. I highly recommend you check out at least the magazine article. So let me just read two sections here. Uh, first thing, portray gays as victims, not as aggressive challengers. I'm going to say gays here, but just insert the word trans. Portray the gays as victims, not as aggressive challengers, like people wanting to go into women's locker rooms. A media campaign to promote the gay victim should make use of symbols which reduce the mainstream's sense of threat, which lower its guard, which enhance the plausibility of victimization. In practical terms, this means that jaunty, mustachioed musclemen would keep very low profile in gay commercials and other public presentations, while sympathetic figures of nice young people, old people, and attractive women would be featured. It almost goes without saying that groups on the furthest margin of acceptability, such as the North American Man-Boy Love Association, must play no part at all in such a campaign. Suspected child molesters will never look like victims. Second, make gays look good, make the victimizers look bad. At a later stage of the media campaign for gay rights, long after other gay ads have become commonplace, it will be time to get tough with the remaining opponents. That's you. To be blunt, they must be vilified. Our goal here is twofold. First, we seek to replace the mainstream's self-righteous pride about its homophobia with shame and guilt. Second, we intend to make the anti-gays look so nasty that average Americans will want to disassoci disassociate themselves from such types. So again, the, the, you're the anti-trans. You don't want a uh, man to go in the women's locker room. That makes you anti-trans, and they're going to make you look nasty. The public should be shown images of ranting homophobes, transphobes, whose secondary traits and beliefs disgust middle America. Those might include the Ku Klux Klan demanding that gays be burned alive or castrated, bigoted Southern ministers drooling with hysterical hatred to a degree that looks both comical and deranged, menacing punks, thugs, and convicts speaking coolly about the uh, gays they've killed or would like to kill, a tour of Nazi concentration camps where homosexuals were tortured and gassed. You with me? So they want to make you seem like the rabid transphobe. There's no need to play into that. 1 Peter 3.15, Honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense of anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Do everything with gentleness and respect. Of course, always speak the truth, never lie, be bold. But you can do it in a 
productive way. We can do it in a productive way. Ephesians 4.15, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Speak uh, truth in love. Also, I like, does that make sense? So don't be, don't be against trans before girls, before women. Second, I like Carl Truman's point that we should be shocked, but not surprised. It's Carl Truman, who you must read his, uh, his latest book. He says, what will fall next? Will it be the taboo on incest? Will it be the taboo on pedophilia? Yes, yes. I hope the taboo on neither falls, but I think we have to accept that the conceptual framework for holding those things in place has long since vanished. So be shocked, but do not be surprised. If you're surprised by this, then you will get overly depressed by it. Do not be surprised. Prepare for it. That's why we're doing this episode today. Prepare for the man, man, for men, in your wife's or daughter's locker room. Prepare for that. What do you do? And prepare your daughters, too. We know that there are two genders. You can't switch. We can have compassion for everyone who struggles with this. But we will never compromise the truth. And daughter, I will always do my best to keep you safe. Final thought to meditate on is we call today. No matter what the topic is of this show, no matter what the flesh, the world, and the devil bombard us with constantly every day, we know what is true. And we know that what is true will always be true. Rest on that. Rest on the fact that what we know to be true will always be true. Isaiah 48 says, the grass withers and the flowers fall. That's us. We're the grass and the flowers but the word of our God endures forever. That's our episode. SlaterRadio at gmail.com. If you want to shoot me a note, if you could leave a review, that'd be fantastic. Five stars. We've got to get to a thousand. Helps the algorithm. Helps the show continue to grow, which I'm so grateful for. SlaterRadio at gmail.com. Let's get some sleep. Politics by Faith. Mike Slater. <laughs>